Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, it's time for the Inside EMS Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero, and today's Inside EMS Podcast is sponsored by FirstNet, built with AT&T. FirstNet uses the latest technology to keep your lines of communication and data open to help you respond faster, smarter, and safer. We are excited to be here with you today. We've got a topic and a half that we are going to talk about, but I cannot do it. I cannot give it justice without my good friend, my buddy, my pal, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on with you? Oh, man, I am I'm just busily editing and, and tweaking a, a book manuscript that's going to be out in a few days. So uh, I've been... I'm sitting here staring at the screen with with eye strain <laughs> and uh, wondering if I need to get my eyeglasses prescription update. <laughs> it's been I've been staring at a computer for four days. Yeah, craziness. And look for it, everybody. Kelly Grayson, Shiner Bach and Cheetos wrapped around a beanbag chair. And uh, yeah. it'll be out of the it'll be out at a bookstore near you and then soon to be a theater near you as they make that into a movie. But uh, yeah, Kelly, yeah, you do have, yeah, you do have a work coming out, uh, a book coming out that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks once it gets yeah. out and everybody can put their hands on it. But uh, I want to give you uh, kudos, pre-kudos on that because when you write a book, it's a labor of love and uh, it truly yeah. comes down to, you know, being able to get your thoughts, being able to get your, you know, make sure that it's going to be something that people are going to enjoy. But uh Cheers to you. We'll talk more about it in the coming weeks. But uh, I do want to talk today. Um, there was a story that came out where a family alleges that the EMS provider ignored a DNR. You know, and DNRs are always one of those touchy areas, Kelly, that always gives the EMS provider a little bit of a challenge yeah. because D- DNRs don't mean do not treat. DNRs mean do not resuscitate. So there really has to be a line that breaks it down as to say what we should do, what we shouldn't do. We don't want to talk specifically about the case that's alleged in uh, in this uh, article, but we do want to be able just to kind of talk around the fact of what DNRs mean. Uh, if there's ambiguity, how do we deal with that? You know, well, what's the best way to deal with family who is now maybe saying, you know what, I don't care that they have a DNR. Uh, I want you to treat them anyway. But Kelly, your initial thoughts. Uh, I, it's, it's testament to the, the inconsistency and variability in DNR legislation from state to state, because we were, we were talking about this in the, in the Facebook thread uh, where I, I commented and linked on this, this story. And, and you get answers all over the spectrum on, on how to deal with the DNR. And what struck me is, is there is no consistent standard on, on how to deal with the DNR patients or what a DNR even is, uh, which leads, you know, to uh, a wide variability in, in how these, these patients are treated. Uh, and it's a shame because it, it should be that it should be unequivocal, Chris, that when a patient expresses their wishes via DNR that they not be resuscitated, that we honor that. And, you know, you've been an EMS long as, as, uh, as long as I have, and, and you've seen those where, where we ignored a DNR because one family member uh, who hadn't seen grandma in 15 years was saying, do something, do something, even though grandma had a valid DNR. 
and and we we'd have medical control or or supervisors uh, who were of the opinion that that a dead person can't sue, but a live angry family member can, and go ahead and try to resuscitate, even though the patient had expressed their wishes that they not, that that not be done, uh, and that sort of thing still goes on today. Um, you ever seen that happen in 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 your practice? Yeah, not only does it happen in the practice, it's something that you got to be able to expect. I mean, because that seems yeah. to be what the standard comes out to be. I mean, it's just so many things that pop up when we talk about a case of DNR that uh, can be really a challenge. I mean, so, you know, uh, let's just play with a couple scenarios here, Kelly, and see what we, you know, see what we're able to come up with. So uh, we have a patient who is in an assisted living facility, and they have a DNR in place. And they have uh, maybe a weak pulse or no pulse. Mm -hmm. Why are they calling 911 in the first place? Yeah. And then number two is, are they, the, I, I never met anybody at the front door of any place where they handed me a DNR. No, me neither. And, and I've been to uh, one of our local nursing homes many years ago, uh, they don't do this anymore. I'll clarify that. But 20 years ago, uh, one of their risk managers read over how their DNRs were worded, I guess, and said, oh, this isn't legally valid. Uh, you, you have to, uh, uh, you can't honor these things. So they didn't honor their own DNRs. Every DNR patient in their facility, when they died, they tried to resuscitate them, regardless of what their wishes were. And, and my first save, and when I say save, I don't mean ROSC. I mean, purposeful movement, the whole nine yards, uh, breathing on their own, was on a DNR patient. And that was the, the worst feeling in the world where you're working this patient and her husband is lying in the bed next to her, uh, in the, the bed right in, uh, uh, next to her in the room, and he is crying, leave her alone, you bastards, leave her alone. She didn't want this. And resuscitated the lady, uh, got her to the hospital and the family showed up and they were still in the, the, the medical staff was still in the room with her. And I said, walked out and said, uh, um, her, her heart stopped, but we were able to get it started again. She's breathing on her own. She's following commands. Looks like we, we got her back, uh, thinking that would be good news. And the family with this bewildered look on their faces, I don't understand. We didn't want this. She didn't want this. She didn't want all that done. And I said, uh, okay. You know, thinking, well, all right, well, if she dies again, now we know. Um, but the, the facility never told us. And, and, and that sort of thing is commonplace, you know, and, and, uh, uh, well, hell, remember the, the Terry Schiavo thing, um, where, where death with dignity was a, a national well, controversy. Hang on. Hang, hang on a second. For those who don't know about Terry, give a little yeah. background before you discuss that. Uh, a, a, uh, a woman who was uh, um, in a vegetative, persistent vegetative state for years uh, was, was kept alive artificially uh, for, for quite some time, months, while a court battle uh, raged on for, uh, uh, for several months before she was allowed to die with dignity, uh, uh, as her, uh, as she intended or as her family intended, uh, the family and, 
and her ex-husband were were warring over over this woman's body. Uh, and uh, this played out in the national news for quite some time. And uh, it was a, uh, a, a pretty telling uh, statement on the on uh, uh, death with dignity and, and people's own personal uh, uh, control of their own bodies. And uh, this was a, a pretty controversial case back in the day. But but Terry Schiavo cases play out uh, in nursing homes and hospice care and that sort of thing uh, all over the country. It's just that hers got national attention. But the but the thing is is, is we we should uh, you have agency over your own body. Uh, you have the right. The libertarian in me is is very vehement about this. You have the right over your own body to do with it as you wish. And when you uh, when you make your wishes known in a legal document, that damn document ought to be respected, uh, regardless of what your family thinks, regardless of what the caregivers or some guy who has never seen you on a medical control line thinks. If you got a valid DNR, it ought to be honored. Uh, the question is, is how well written and clear are the instructions on these DNRs uh, to leave no room for ambiguity uh, among the providers reading them? And, and that's part of the problem, I think. You know, I think the other problem, too, is the misunderstanding of what a do not do not resuscitate right. means. DNRs don't mean uh, doesn't mean do not treat. It means do not resuscitate. And what does a resuscitation when does resuscitation start? Does resuscitation start with somebody who has a pulse ox of 88 and they have a, uh, I got to put them on 100% oxygen to be a nasal uh, non-rebreather? Um, is that resuscitation? So what's the definition of resuscitation? When does resuscitation start? Here's another challenge that I've had in my career. Um, I've gone into nursing homes. I've gone into patients' homes. I've been in department stores where resuscitations... I did a resuscitation at a funeral, which was another freaking mess. Let's talk about that story one day. <laughs> um, but one of the things I'm really uh, shocked at is how many people know that a DNR even exists, right. right? I've been in nursing homes, Kelly, I'm sure as you have. I've been in hospitals, Kelly, where um, uh, they, I was never told they had a DNR. Yeah. You know, or I asked the fact, do they have a DNR? Because after a certain amount of time in your assessment, you're just throwing that in to say, oh, does the patient have a DNR? Well, I'm not sure. Let me go check. Well, what do yeah. I do in the meantime while you go through that chart and check to see if they have a DNR? Um, again, you know, if I'm going to be in a facility where uh, a resuscitation could be probable and, you know, in these comments that we see about this case, there's more than one comment that recognizes to say, why was EMS even called if this yeah. person had a DNR? Um, but, but those are the challenges too. So when we talk about this, there are people who are being critical to the paramedics, to the EMS agency, mm -hmm. but we don't have enough information to say that this was just a, uh, this was just a throwdown because did they have all the information that they needed? And I got to tell you, man, you tell me you got a DNR. My, my practice has been, and, and even when I was uh, in charge of the clinical department of a high-performance EMS system, and as the chief of EMS, I told my people, if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. And uh, just don't tell me. you got to show me. 
Otherwise, yeah. we, could, we could be liable uh, for the fact of people just telling you they have a DNR. You know, and what about the people who have a DNR in place? And, you know, the people don't want them and don't, you know, want every every measure to be, mm-hmm. you know, taken for them. And they say, oh, I don't think they have a DNR, but they know they, they do. So if yeah. you're not seeing that stuff, Kelly, what side of the practice are you going to be on when it comes to doing the work? We, we got to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And and the complicating the, the issue is, is, you know, is the DNR ballot outside the hospital? Is it ballot for EMS? And, and we have this hodgepodge of laws around the country and there's no consistent standard. Uh, more than a few times have I encountered a patient who did not want to be resuscitated, uh, but uh, circumstances required that I, I at least try because they had a DNR in the hospital, but they didn't have one at home. It was only in effect during their hospital stay, and that's, that's a really sort of, that's a that's a really great point. In hospital, yeah. out of hospital, DNRs, Kelly, they're not the same. Yeah, and 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 they should be. They should be. When someone signs a form uh, stating that that they or signs it on behalf of their family members, they have power of attorney over um, that that resuscitation not be attempted or a living will, which is a little more of a complex document that that, that specifies what procedures should and should not be performed, uh, that should be binding wherever you are. And, 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 you know, that's a fairly simple thing to get done, um, that once a person is signed to DNR, that, that DNR is attached to that patient no matter where they are, um, in hospital or out of hospital. Uh, but, but that's not the case in many places. Uh, and more than a few times have I called up medical control on a recorded line and, you know, painted the picture for the doctor and then put the family members who, who uh, called on the phone and had them express on a recorded phone line that they did not want resuscitation attempted. And, and to me, that, that was always a fairly elegant solution that worked for me. Uh, it's worked for me every time, except yeah, but what's with the, one exception. What's the legality but, of that? You know, I mean, can, is that something that could be followed? It's not my wish. It's somebody else's wish. But let's go ahead and, and save that. And I yeah. want to do our I want to do our mid show break right now. When we come back, um, I do want to just examine that what you were talking about. But I would yeah. like to just give you a few scenarios, Kelly. Of okay. you're the paramedic, you're on scene. This is what you're faced with, and I want you to give me your best response as to how you would respond to that, knowing that every system is different. You know, every medical director and protocols are different, just from an yeah. expertise standpoint. But go ahead and give us the uh, mid show reading. Let's learn a little bit more about FirstNet. Let's do that. Everyone in EMS deserves a reliable communication network like FirstNet built with AT&T. Your fellow public safety professionals at more than 19,500 agencies nationwide rely on FirstNet to make sure they have the connectivity and data they need to care for patients. And FirstNet is now offering increased coverage in rural and tribal areas. So whether you're looking for an individual plan or an agency-wide solution, you can join FirstNet and check out their limited time special offers at FirstNet.com. So, you know, we talked about it before we paused and uh, you made the mention of I'm going to put this person on the line with the doc and the doc Mm -hmm. is going to say or the patient's family member is going to say they don't want this. um, I don't want resuscitative efforts. Where's the legality in that? Who who is this person? Is this person even a family (laughs) member or are they somebody who lives down the road who we've been calling aunt since we were born? So, um, I mean, how did, how did you justify that? Or how did the doctors on the other end justify that? 
or how did the system even say that that was legal? Well, there, there, there probably is a lot of gray area there. Um, but I will counter that by saying protocols cannot anticipate every situation. You can't have a blanket protocol to address everything. Uh, there are going to be gray areas in, in, in DNR patients. There are going to be gray areas in, in patient care period uh, where not everyone fits the, the profile or the protocol. Uh, and, and that's what medical control is for. Consult, expert consultation. And, and that's the way I always approached it. Now, in the cases where I've done this, um, the patient had um, uh, a terminal disease. Uh, they, they had a DNR in the hospital, but they did not have one on site. Uh, and the family members were all unanimous that they did not want anything done. And those were the, the conditions uh, in which I called medical control and said, look, this, this patient had a DNR in the hospital. Uh, they were discharged to hospice care, but they do not have a DNR on site. Can I honor this? And they'd say, yes. Uh, I had one physician in my entire, and which was in a ridiculous situation where the patient had been dead for an hour and a sheriff's deputy got there and, and applied an AED and started CPR. Uh, and in the midst of us trying to, to uh, ascertain what went on, the, the patient's brother said he didn't want any of this. Uh, he had one of those forms signed in the hospital. And I called up the, the local doctor and the guy flatly refused to, uh, to honor the patient's wishes and told me to try to resuscitate and bring him to the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I reiterated the situation again and uh, he, he said, I'm, I'm not going to take responsibility. And I said, don't worry, doctor. Thank you. Uh, my, my documentation will reflect that you refuse to make a decision on, uh, whatsoever and refuse to accept any responsibility for anything in this call. <laughs> and my yeah, mouth ran away with me a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the, I hung uh, up the phone and I called our medical director and got the orders. Um, uh, All right. So, yeah. One of the things that we talked about before we went to the break was I'm going to give you a few scenarios. So you're you, Kelly Grayson of the paramedic, um, and you're faced with this and um, uh, you uh, I want to hear your best response. So you go into a home and a uh, patient has an out of hospital DNR and resuscitative efforts need to be started. But the family, brothers, uh, sisters are there three or four people, and they say, I don't care what that paper says. You need to go ahead and start resuscitative efforts. I want you to do everything I can, everything you can, and I want you to save my brother, my father, my mother. Kelly Grayson, how do you handle it? I'm going to honor the DNR, unquestionably. I don't care what they say. That If it is a valid signed DNR, it's got the patient signature or a power of attorney signature um, and a physician signature and the order number on it, it's a valid DNR in my state, and I'm going to honor it. Uh, it's not their decision to make. So, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the call upon my customer service skills to the very utmost to placate uh -huh. the family, but I'm going to honor the patient's wishes if there is a valid DNR in place. All right. Good one. So, um, and, and these, I think the scenarios I give you are all scenarios that I have uh, been, uh, you know, presented with in yeah. my career. So yeah, these, myself these are, as well. Yeah. So these just aren't coming out of the midair. So, okay. You walk into a facility 
and we'll call it a uh, assisted living, retirement, whatever you want to say. And uh, we go to the room. Uh, we need to start resuscitative efforts. And the nurse says, oh, they have a DNR. And Kelly Grayson, being the paramedic that you are, um, what do you do then? Uh, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to begin the resuscitation uh, until they can produce the DNR. Uh, and, and that's, that's always been our, our approach at pretty much every service I've worked. Um, until you can look at a DNR, uh, you begin the resuscitation. Now, if they can't produce the DNR. Well, hang on, hang on. Don't, don't jump I'm the sorry. gun yet. Don't jump the gun yet. But so at what level do you start the resuscitation? So if they say that there's a DNR, but they have to go get it. And you say you start the resuscitation. Are you, are you all out? into the resuscitation or you just doing chest compressions and rescue breathing until that DNR shows up. So what, what are you doing to start the resuscitation? You're going to, you're going to start the full resuscitation. Uh, but, but that's not as, as uh, ALS as you might think, you know, with current practice, we know that the only thing that, that is proven to work is, is effective CPR and prompt defibrillation. So, you know, getting the CPR going for at least the first couple of minutes um, and and ventilating the patient appropriately and applying the, the cardiac monitor and determining if a shockable rhythm exists is going to eat up the first minute or two uh, of, of resuscitation. Um, you're not, I, I say, you know, do the full resuscitation, but if you're only doing BLS, you're, you're still not doing the patient a disservice. You're still doing the only thing that is scientifically proven to be of benefit in cardiopulmonary in, in, in cardiopulmonary resuscitation, uh, high quality uninterrupted chest compressions and and early defibrillation. So uh, I would I would start the resuscitation um, now. If the nurse came back and said, I can't find the DNR order, but I know one exists and all that, I would probably still contact medical control for for orders. Um, uh, but uh, I would anticipate that uh, if it's in a, a, a care facility and a family member is not present, uh, that the physician would probably ask me to continue the resuscitation and, and bring them on to the or yeah, not necessarily bring them on to the hospital, but continue the resuscitation per our protocols. And I would think that you would have to. I would think that they, yeah. you know, that the liability uh, for the physician to say, yeah, go ahead and on to the DNR, yeah. only to find out there wasn't one. I don't know yeah. if they could do that. But that doesn't mean that uh, you're going to wind up transporting them off the scene if your protocols are saying work the resuscitation in place. Right. All right. So let's try another uh, scenario. But this time, go to your, let's go to your uh, experience of uh, what you've had to deal with with DNR and, and what do you come up with? You've got a patient who uh, has been discharged to uh, home hospice uh, the day before, but has yet to see uh, a hospice nurse. The hospice nurse was supposed to come later that afternoon, uh, and the the paperwork has not been signed. The DNR has not yet been signed, uh, but the family is is unanimous and clear. Uh, on their wishes and the patient's wishes that they did not want resuscitation started. And they called because the patient was having difficulty breathing. And as you were in the room, the patient lost a pulse and stopped breathing. 
and we encountered that very thing. Um, uh, the, they didn't call uh, because the patient died. They called because he was gasping for air. And, and we know that DNR does not mean do not treat. Uh, right. It doesn't mean neglect till dead. So they wanted someone to help with his breathing, give him some oxygen, make him as comfortable as they could. Uh, and while we were assessing the patient, he arrested. Yeah. And, they and were in that situation... Go ahead. And they were in a they're in a hospice facility. You're saying, right? No, no, they were at, they were uh, discharged a home hospice. Uh, okay. But I had a I had a good picture of the situation, and and they said we did not want this done. And I said, all right, I'm going to have to get on the phone. Um, but uh, if the if the doctor says resuscitate, we're going to have to try everything we can. And I got on the phone and I painted a good picture for the doc. And the doc said, no, no, put the. Uh, I said. Um, uh, I'm going to put the family member on the phone and have them express this to you over the, over the recorded line as well. That's what we did. And we honored the patient's wishes uh, and did not resuscitate him and let him die with dignity. And, and I think that that sort of thing is not done simply because, not because of questionable legality or anything like that. It's simply because people, uh, providers all too often don't have any confidence in, in their guidance or, or what to do. And they're, they're afraid to make a decision. And part of that is because there's such a, a hodgepodge of laws uh, and, and they, they don't understand their liability uh, from a legal standpoint uh, thoroughly and, and, and that sort of thing. But I think that, that there's a lot that could be done with, with DNR legislation to make it uniform from state to state uh, and, and eliminate some of this ambiguity. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. You ever encountered one of those thorny situations where there was a valid DNR, but somebody wanted you to ignore it? Or uh, the patient's wishes were clear, but they didn't have a piece of paper? How did you handle the situation? We'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Settlero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>